Welcome to a new episode of Live Evil Pod. My name is Prime LOL. We have a lot to discuss. It is week, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to guess this wrong, week six of the LCS that's upcoming. We just finished week five. This episode is going to be released very shortly, so some of you may not even get to it before the Thursday game starts, but I hope you do give it a chance to listen. Uh, at least have the Friday game already talked about and have that um, you know, on, on the docket before you get into your Friday weekend games. But I have a special guest. We've been blessed with so many wonderful people that are willing to you know, come on this little uh, show. And tonight I have with me Laughing Mage of the Hextech Hero Pod. Mage, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing I'm doing fantastic. I'm having a I'm having a great time. I was really looking forward to doing this recording basically all day and all week. So I'm very happy to be here. Oh man, that's awesome. Excited to have you because you've been in this scene for quite some time and you know, you have a lot of more background than I would suppose I have because I only started this around 2018. Uh, but yeah, as always, I would like to give you the space to give our listeners to know who you are. You know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, how did you start getting into League of Legends, esports, and you know, fan or do you play everything? All right, yeah. Uh, so hi everyone. My name's Laughing Mage. If you don't know me, uh, I'm the one of the creators of the Hextech Heroes podcast. And I've been playing League of Legends, I think, since 2019, 2018, somewhere around there. I don't exactly remember when. Uh, it actually could even be earlier than that. I, I honestly, all the time just kind of blurs together. But uh, basically, ever since I kind of came onto the scene, I've been very interested in the higher levels of play. I, I ended up starting watching League because uh, the very first League of Legends video I ever watched was actually like a Lily P2 video. And through Lily P2, I learned of Skara. And then through Skara, I got introduced to the LCS. And then as soon as I got introduced to the LCS, I was like, this is it. This is this is awesome. I really need to get into this as much as possible. And uh, now here I am running like a, a League of Legends podcast and doing all sorts of stuff that I can for, for the community as a whole. That's awesome to hear. So the, the it's it's around similar time that when I started, but uh, of course I haven't picked up on the LCS. I was watching more globally, all the other regions. So what got you in this thought of starting your own podcast? What was the 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 mission or the vision behind it? So uh, we we do have like a mission statement at Hextech Heroes. Basically, like we understand that League of Legends as a game has like a very vast community, but it has had. 
a fairly negative sentiment uh, from from like public perception standpoint. So what we wanted to do is kind of create a space for for positive sentiment. We wanted to create a space to spread positivity and and a safe community for those who want to just share a mutual love and interest for the game of League of Legends, whether it be professionally or casually, and just sort of have everyone be able to interact and have a good time talking about something that we love. Oh man, that's awesome to because. That's what kind of what we need. I've known League coming into this scene. Fans are just the the old G fans. I would say are much more uh, hate. There's a lot of vitriol. There's a lot of like uh, negativity. But we need more spaces, and the one that you provide will be an amazing one to have us talk because we enjoy this. We love our region. Uh, we love we love the game itself. We love watching and we love um, you know um, just enjoying this as a fan it helps us become more uh, together more one and hopefully we are able to do so tonight we'll need a lot of that i can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be diving into some some not so fun stuff to talk about but before we even get there uh what is your main right now in Ooh, league of legends <laughs> that is the question isn't it um yes <laughs> so when i first started playing league uh, just a, a quick backstory. When I first started playing League, I basically fell in love with the support role. Mm. I've always really enjoyed playing that role. I think it's really, really fun, and I think it's uh, like very cerebral. I, I feel like mm. it gets underappreciated from that sense, where you kind of like need to understand how to how to play the role from a macro sense more uh, more than you would like uh, mechanically than you would mm-hmm. in like other roles, right? Yeah. And I've always really enjoyed that, but as of recently. I've made the role switch. Uh, I, I've switched up like in the past too, but mm-hmm. I've recently made the switch from support over to jungle so that I can play for my LBLCS team. Oh, yeah. So yes. I was originally I was originally <laughs> brought on as a support player, but as we uh, were going mm-hmm. through the preseason, we could mm-hmm. not find a jungler. So yeah. I was like, "Hey guys, you know, I can actually jungle pretty well. Let let, let me give it a shot." And actually, so far, I think we've been doing really well, uh, at least oh, in our uh, practices and whatnot. That's awesome. Ah, oh, I. I always thought because i'm like you i'm a support main i started i didn't start as a support main but i really appreciated that role and it really challenged me to think beyond you know the typical uh, laning and minions less hitting than carry but it's a fun role but that switch i've always been afraid of doing to go into jungle because i i know like people don't know how to jungle. <laughs> yeah i mean it, I, I don't think that the roles are that dissimilar in terms of how you need to like know how to play the map. I think you get a little bit more freedom when you play support than when you mm-hmm. when, than when you're jungling. But uh-huh. overall, I think that they're similar enough. Where making the transition mm-hmm. isn't like terribly difficult mm-hmm. as long as you can like get the core basics of like how you need to effectively path so you can mm-hmm. keep your XP up and not mm-hmm. just be like, oh, I'm just gonna like permagank and then be two levels down because i haven't farmed a single camp in like 15 minutes yeah oh man it's kudos to you and i'm you're doing this more uh, with with good like you mentioned uh lblcs right low budget yes yes (laughs) that's a fun i'll think about joining it but you're able to do that i'm just you know afraid of many things like i mentioned that League can be a very tricky space to be in when they flame the jungler like crazy. Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I, I I have found that playing in five mans and then also the mute all button are my best friends. So there you go, mute all is still undefeated. Absolutely. Uh, awesome, awesome. So good to know you. And where does the name Laughing Mage come from? 
Oh, okay. Uh, so the name Laughing Mage is actually an ode to my favorite character of all time, uh, which is a comic book character named John Constantine from uh, Vertigo mm. Comics, now DC Comics. Uh, he comes from a bloodline called the Laughing Magicians. And I always thought, first of all, that sounded like super, super cool. Mm. But also, John has always been one of my favorite characters ever since I started reading comics, which was like mm-hmm. maybe like, I want to say 12, 13 years ago now. So huh. uh, I once I fell in love with that character, I was like, okay, this is now my entire personality. So <laughs> Laughing Mage is how I got the name. Mm, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now I got to pick that up and do some of my own comic reading. I have to bring back the old, old uh, some comic days to my life. So great. And so that's helpful to know a little bit of your background and what you are standing for. So we are excited to have you to kind of have us here at Live Evil Pod to dissect probably a big, mm, I don't know if the word scandal, but certainly a lot of drama that's happening. Oh, yeah. That started, you know, it started last year in the off season, to be quite honest, when yes. things were leaked uh, um, and, and they were had, EG had to provide a response. And it has, you know, kind of been quiet for the most part until it reared its ugly head. I don't know if the timing is coincidental. We just came off an O2 week and then uh, Thorin released something. I, I, I personally don't listen to his pod, but um, I know people do and they provide uh, some descriptions of it. And then some of these allegations uh, seems to be heard by other sources one of the ones is uh, a, a friend of the pot arsh arsh boil um and then you know more and more came out so we're looking at a a pretty big uh mishandling of eg adc danny and these allegations are also kind of uh seep into csgo i follow someone else who is very close to the eg csgo scene and so I'm trying to take all this in. It, it's it's disappointing, right? It's disappointing to hear from a fan standpoint. And, you know, I don't want to deny any truths. I don't want to jump to the whole um, aspect of hating people and, and taking the whole org and, and, like, throwing them under the bus as well. Uh, but it's certainly not a good look. And I'm wondering, like, what are some of your thoughts as these stories unfolded for you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a terribly unfortunate situation. Um, once I first heard about all this stuff, I, w- I was immediately like, okay, you know what? Some of these pieces sort of feel like they're they're clicking together now. Just kind of seeing Danny's reactions to to games, and like, I think one of the one of the things that I definitely noticed on on the topic of him being malnourished and not taking care of himself physically. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the information that came out that way, I did notice very frequently that when he was on stage, uh, he was wearing one of like the oversized EG uh, jackets mm-hmm. uh, instead of having a uh, instead of having a jersey on. And at first, I thought, you know what, that's not terribly unusual. But mm-hmm. the more that I thought about it, since more information has popped up, I definitely felt like I could have seen some of the signs happening and and kind of like devolving as as the splits were going forward. And then especially towards the end of that TLEG series when they ended up winning and qualifying for Worlds, then you you really got to see sort of the sort of all of it fall at once. 
mm-hmm. uh, uh, while Danny was on stage because at the end of the, that series he was like weeping and mm-hmm. it, it, it was very apparent that it was a strong emotion and it wasn't just like oh I'm so happy that we qualified for Worlds I'm so happy that we're making it in, yeah. like further into the playoffs it was definitely a, a much more of an emotional reaction of like like just all i mean everything that was just going on at, at once i can't speak yeah. exactly on, on what those emotions were but it definitely mm-hmm. seemed more intense than just oh i'm yeah. happy that i won this series mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but with that all being said with all this information that's coming out i mean it's really hard to ignore it right i, mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of people who are sitting down reading like oh the danny response to the tweet and everything like that and some people are like okay awesome danny responded this is great that mm-hmm. means that this is this this means nothing. But then on the other hand, there's a lot of people that are like, no, he's still in contract with EG. And mm-hmm. some some companies make you sign clauses that make it so that you can't speak poorly of companies or you can't speak out against them. And also there's the questionability of like he is still technically on EG payroll. So like they're giving him money, they're giving him medical benefits, they're giving him whatever benefits that that, that they're giving him like uh, for health wise. And perhaps he really needs those. And it's tough to, to think that maybe there is like a level of like strong arming that's happening that perhaps Danny is in this situation, but can't really speak out on it openly. And that's why we've had all these sort of like third party investigations from other sources happening. And mm-hmm. all this information coming out at once. I mean, it's just so difficult to ignore. Like I, I, I like to think I like to believe in the best in people. And mm-hmm. I really want to think that like, hey, surely this is all fine right but the more and more information comes out like the the leaked dms and the investigations from multiple sources at this point our our own like peers in in like even on a lower level being able to find information on this i mean it's just it's just too much to ignore and and it's very very unfortunate to see it all devolve like this absolutely and and that's kind of where we're at because these news some of these articles was i think either yesterday or the day before and even today we find out more we were reading more into it and it's it's hard to kind of um digest and and give an immediate take that's that's short of saying like we're disappointed like the scene has often esports itself right and and league of legends there there have been many instances where you hear of the organization not treating the players well and we're hoping steps were taken forward but at the end of the day i i sense excuse me i sense in, in this level the crime was bad but the cover-up made it ex- extremely worse absolutely the fact that we've heard almost nothing from any of the eg officials or mm-hmm. any of the lcs representatives any other organizations or other people in the scene at, at that level of at, at the height of, of the level that this is all seeming to take place in it's mm-hmm. it's immensely disappointing as as a fan and just as as a human being right mm-hmm. that's i think that's where it hits the, the most where it's like we're all supposed to be human beings treating each other well yeah. us and it, it just doesn't seem to be happening here for 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 whatever reason whether it's greed or, or mm-hmm. what have you we're, they're certainly not helping their own image of being the the evil corporate uh, people who sees people as numbers. Now, I'm not saying that's what EG did or what Nicole did. It's just this doesn't lend well to uh, the some of those ideas. But I'm I'm sure there's more to the story. But right now, it's 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 not looking good. <laughs> uh, any closing thoughts about maybe what this would mean? for the organization or maybe like NA as a whole or LCS as a whole? I mean, I don't even know if this is something that 
I, I mean, I, it definitely isn't something that I have like really any place to, to talk about to in any level of depth, but coming from like an empathetic point of view as, as a, as a human being is, and as mm. somebody who would, would like to at one point work in this field, mm. it seems that there is just a level of like, there, there is a lacking of empathy within the esports mm-hmm. field right now. And, and it, it's happening at the highest level, which is what makes it so egregious because mm-hmm. they are the people who are making these decisions, who have the power to make changes and to actually help people. And the fact that we're just kind of seeing that for years now, there have been a lot of issues where that just doesn't happen. It, it's very, very disappointing to see. And as much as I like to think that we as a world have been growing a lot and, and mm-hmm. have been becoming more empathetic here in our little isolated scene, I would like to see, I would, I would like to see a bit more progress. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, hopefully all of this, once, once this is, you know, resolved and everyone is in a better place. Hopefully this at the end of the day will just grow the space to become a more mature and a more like emotionally stable place for people to work in and, and just sort of be able to function in. Absolutely. I'm hundred percent in agreement with you. We need to see tangible progress and, and the humanness needs to be definitely front and center in this. I, I, I definitely feel like there is room in this space more so than even for like traditional sports. I mean, they've, they've made their own progress, but it's also, they have their own issues, but I'm just really short of saying like, you know, disappointed. Uh, and it's happening in, of course, the, the org that uh, this pot is uh, backing, but uh, we hope that growth can happen. We hope for more transparency and we definitely at the end of the day, I hope that uh, the best for Danny and that this is, you know, um, that he will, find find his happiness find his freedom find find whatever he's needed and not uh let this be his legacy all right all right so we'll have more if there's more thoughts i'll definitely post some more on the reddit um eg reddit or our eg discord hey if you're a fan if you're someone who's curious about eg just you know join our discord i'll put that in the show note but let's move on then to talking about the LCS. Uh, do a quick recap. It was an ugly week for us at EG. <laughs> it, it was terrible. I mean, we haven't had an O2 week for such a long time that I don't, I can't even remember the last time. Maybe it, not it counting was worlds. Not counting. Not worlds. counting worlds. Right. right. <laughs> We're talking LCS. Yeah. Right? We are. We've been so good for a year and you know even this split i would say we are good we came up a high a 3-0 week at super week and then we come back giving dignitas their first win Ooh. <laughs> I, I i can understand the goldian guardian loss yeah uh, because yeah, yeah. even They're previewing hot right, right man they they are just so good at like i would give it like 50 50 but that game did not look 50 50 to me no oh Oh man, I look losses actually brings up more interaction on Reddit, which I I really don't like to reinforce that, mm-hmm. but it did. <laughs> we have yeah. people coming out taking I mean, when, things. Mm-hmm. When you're losing to the to, to the last seed in in North America, as somebody who's perceived as one of the best teams in NA, surely the yeah. you know the rats come out of the woodwork ready to <laughs> ready to tear everything down. Uh, to makes matters worse, right? This was. Dignitas making a change in their roster. They brought in Tomo, their challenger ADC, to replace Spawn. We are thinking, if you bring someone in, they need a time to adjust and whatnot. They beat EG. 
I, <laughs> he just beat Egypt. I was watching that game, and you know, it was so bad. Like Egypt does not have a good transition to the late game, and if their early game is like doomed, which is what happened for a good part, they were they were still competitive in gold for a while, but they kept dying. They kept getting picked off. Yeah. That their their team fights they end up being the ones that are on the losing end. And at, at that point, by before the twenty five minutes, I was like, they're not making a comeback because they have never shown. Okay, I wouldn't say never, but they have shown fewer times this whole split that they can make a comeback, uh, or that they transition well. Even in wins, their mid game is just so bad. What <laughs> what's happening? What am I seeing here in that game? <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's a couple of things. First off, let me let me just preface by saying that I don't think Tomo was the was the difference in this <laughs> game. I I think that the the AD role was relatively invisible that game, at least for the first mm-hmm. half uh, of of it. Um, while while I was watching the VOD, uh, while I was watching it live, and then I reviewed the VOD recently for this podcast, I noticed a couple of things. Number one, there seems to be a lot of disrespect to the enemy jungler mm-hmm. to to enemy cooldowns levels leads item leads stuff like that like i mean there were times where jojo was like he literally walked up into jensen's face (laughs) into they almost into the tower and then jensen literally didn't have to do anything but press r and then walk back to his turret and then forces jojo's flash jace's flashes for five minutes know what happens you know uh they they abuse they abuse Jojo and the fact that he doesn't have this crucial summoner spell and they gank him again and he dies again and it's just like this is this just kind of seems like the the theme that happens mm-hmm. in in most of the EG losses or at least mm-hmm. difficult like early mid games is like there's just a level of disrespect that EG has where like I don't know if it's a communication error I don't know if it's like an ego thing but it's like they they see the map they'll see plays and and you can watch the play while it's happening live. And you can think, oh, well, surely they see them on this ward or they see them because of mm-hmm. X vision or, or or Y reason. And surely they just back off and, and they respect the fact that they can pull off this play. But it feels as if EG, at least in, in their mid jungle and, and, and somewhat in top side as well, in just the top side in, in overall, I would say, mm-hmm. it feels like they have this identity that they would like to outplay mm-hmm. whatever's going on. And they yeah. think that they can just hands dip their ways out of these like, precarious situations and mm-hmm. it just had it just did not go their way these coin flips did not work for them uh this mm-hmm. last weekend and to the point of like having a difficulty transferring into the mid game or clawing back through like gold deficits it seems like there's a level of like they're really afraid to call off plays mm. like you- you'll see moments where like inspired is walking up and he'll see something Mm-hmm. But all of us, but been like, I, I, I can't give an exact example at this moment, but I, I, I just kind of noticed it where they would see an opportunity. There is like a five second window where they can pull off a play and it will work. However, that five second window passes or something changes suddenly. And then instead of <clears throat> simply backing off of the play, resetting, you know, slowing down the tempo of the game, they just force the play and try to flip it. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it just, I mean, I don't know. It just didn't go in their way this this weekend in particular. Mm-hmm. I think this is something that you can see through all of their games. But like yes. this weekend in particular, it was egregious mistakes mm-hmm. that were that we were seeing happen. Absolutely, absolutely. It's part of their style. They limit tested. I mean, last year it was very clear. They tried that in international too. There's just try so playing on a knife's edge, and it's a coin flip at that point, and really just 
not uh, playing careful. They they would dive, they would chase, they would go for plays that you know on on the whole you would say, oh no, that's that's a terrible thinking pattern. But this game in particular, perhaps it lo- feels additionally bad, is because it was against Dignitas, and <laughs> it it looked bad across. You can see that they play. You know, sometimes when they limit test maybe one or two players but this is a team effort in this in this loss here yeah yeah they almost made a comeback i didn't think they they would and boom that jensen are (laughs) i mean okay but like credit to jensen that was just oh my god that was so good (laughs) and like also not to take away from the fact that this dignitas team did play really really well they were capitalizing Mm. on mistakes who were playing macro really well they they were throwing a little bit with that first nexus push they definitely needed to Mm -hmm. back out like a minute 30 seconds earlier so that they could reset for the for the dragon but they they just kind of overstayed but yeah. regardless dignitas did actually play that game out really well yes and i will say that in, in in the games where dig has looked decent but they end up throwing their early game looks really really strong santorin is one of these junglers who has mm. an incredibly unique jungling style where he just will he'll literally do one buff and then be in your lane mm. and then maybe he'll do two camps and then be in your lane again yeah and he, he has this he can be this super aggressive he, he won't be your carry, right? Like, he's mm-hmm. not going to be the person 1v9ing. But he's going to build up the lead that's going to let somebody else on the team 1v9. And we've seen him do this really well. And I know that... I know, like, I will dominate, put Santorin on, the like, the low end of the jungle tier list. But I actually think that Santorin is getting a little bit of the speaker treatment that mm-hmm. happened last year. Where he's yeah. looking like a good jungler on a bad team. Yes. And jungle is almost always exclusively, like shown to be strength wise based off of the 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 average strength of the team that they're on right mm-hmm. and it, it yeah. feels a little bit bad for Santorin that way but i mm-hmm. will say it's, you know no disrespect to eg but like dignitas did play really well and eg yeah. were definitely overextending themselves in many situations to allow that loss to happen awesome and yeah yeah the, i just i do feel bad for Santorin. i think i Definitely think he's one of the better junglers just right now, stuck on a team that's trying to find an identity because that's what it feels like for Dignitas. And hopefully they find some semblance of some chemistry, but it's still a long way to climb for them. Um, but yeah, we lost to them. We gave them their first win. Congrats. And they deserve it. I'm not saying any- I'm taking that ticket <laughs> anyway. They deserve it because we gave like. We made mistakes that they should capitalize, and they did, and they did it beautifully. Oh, so end of story for that one. We got to move on. Coming in day two, now we're going to get the Golden Guardians, red hot Golden Guardians. Ah, uh, just it didn't feel like EG was in the game at all. I I couldn't think of any moments where I was thinking, oh, they they are gonna turn on, or they're gonna snowball, or they're gonna make a great play that would. There was no signature play that would tell me that they're going to take over the game at any point for me. And so Golden Guardians continued their streak. I think they're on a six-game winning streak right now. Seven, I believe. Seven. Oh, my gosh. Red Hot. Can they keep this going? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that after we trash my team a little bit. But that, <laughs> was, that did not... That felt nothing like EG, that game, for me. What did you I, see in film? I mean, it's just such a difficult loss, in my opinion, because it, like, first of all, Golden Guardians did play really, really well, Mm -hmm. but 
essentially what was happening on EG side, it was a lot of unforced errors. It was a lot of just things happening Mm -hmm. and then disrespect. Like, Mm -hmm. I I think the the number one thing that happened was on one of JoJo's death, maybe it was First Blood, I think, uh, where he sees Sejuani walk into his lane and then, like, you know, Inspired is there on the Vi. They push him back. The 2v2 doesn't happen. JoJo just walks back under turret. He's fine, but he's, like, chunked to less than half HP. Uh... Was that the game? Oh, go ahead. Um, yeah, yeah, and then what ends up happening is that you um, you see the way that Golden Guardians moves, where Sejuani moves into the Raptor Pit that Inspired is currently taking. Inspired sees Sejuani, and then Lulu comes up from bot side, mm. and Jojo emotes. <laughs> he emotes <laughs> yes. like he sees them, and then he has his flash up. I, I'm pretty sure he had distortion up as well because he was playing LeBlanc, mm-hmm. and, you, mm-hmm. and you see... The Sejuani ultimate come over the wall. Sejuani comes over the wall. Lulu runs into the lane. And Jojo 100% had time to react to this. He mm-hmm. saw all of this happening. But I don't know if it was like, oh, Inspired's right next to me. Surely they can't pull this off. Or maybe he just didn't actually notice the fact that Sejuani was right there. Or nobody called it for some reason. And then he was emoting at the Lulu. But whatever. It was just like this really ugly, messy play that like should never work in like a million years. Like you are a LeBlanc under turret. <laughs> Your jungler is like five feet away from you. This should not work. You see that you literally see it getting set up 10 seconds before it actually gets executed. And yet it still ended up working. And, and, that's, and that was like very questionable for me mm. because it's like, when, when, when does that work? In what situation should that work? You know, you know what the answer to that is? <clears throat> My solo queue games. That's when, that's, <laughs> that, that's when that should work. Not, not in a pro game. Mm-hmm. I remember that played distinctly because the casters were like, oh, maybe he just flashes emo because he saw the Lulu and thought he outran it and the Sejuani just came out from the other side. Yeah. Oof. I don't know, but you're right. In a pro, you would, you know, you would be cautious enough. There's communication going on. You know where the Sejuani, at the very least, he, it was visible. So, yeah, it's disrespect. I, I don't have any other words for it. Um... And, you know, Golden Guardians had the game, like, in command in command of the game throughout. And really, I mean, can we say Gori is one of the best mid right now? And yeah. <laughs> Ooh, Is Gori one of the best mids? I think there's definitely... There's definitely the question of whether or not that is true. Because, I like, if we look at the mid pool this year... The interesting thing is if you look at the, the North American mid lane pool, it is just filled to the brim with psychopathic mid laners. Mm-hmm. Like these guys are like, they are willing to hands check you. They will take overly aggressive trades. They will, they will 2v2 you. They will 1v2 you. They will look for plays that just should not be there, but they're constantly looking. They're constantly hu- uh, hungry for it. Gory mm-hmm. is definitely one of those mid laners that's like that. He, he for sure was had ha, like he has these like almost weird aggressive picks that you that you wouldn't see like the fact that he picks Yone there against mm-hmm. against EG right like that that is very interesting you you wouldn't typically think oh yeah no we can just pick Yone here right, right. um I would say that I don't know if Gori is as good as like some of these other laners are one v one because I think. In, in the isolated 1v1 Gory v Jojo Pune, in, in especially that game, Jojo was up like 20 CS at some point. He had a huge lane advantage. He had like a huge forge percentage. He was way like he was he was he had every advantage in the world against Gory. 
but the difference maker on Golden Guardians, and this is where that like the the con- the contest of like who's going to be the MVP of the split is like River is playing so good. He is mm-hmm. playing one of the cleanest jungle games in the in the league right now, and uh, I think that there is maybe a little bit of a misconception on Gory's strength based off of how well River is playing. Not to say that like Gory is bad or that he's undeserving of how well he's been doing, but a lot of his success does seem like it's dominoes getting set up by River so that Gory can mm-hmm. knock them down. Yeah. I, I I would definitely agree that River is the unsung hero. He's you don't hear him a lot. It's in, in different pods or but he has been a very good jungler this this year. And you know this is the game that now that as we're talking about it, I remember in the first game we narrowly beat Golden Guardians, but that's because they had Young admit mm-hmm. they had Gory. And I said if Gory had been playing that game, we we probably would have lost, would have been swept by Golden Guardians this season. But that's credit to River, a lot of it, yes. And some resurgence of Stixie. I, I don't know if I've ever known him to be this good because I didn't watch his early years. But he's he's also playing very well. He's definitely been popping off. But, like, I don't I, – I, I definitely give credit to, to Stixie for playing well. But, again, mm-hmm. the, the, the conversation always just kind of comes back to the fact that AD Carry as a role – is mm-hmm. built around the fact that your team wants to kind of play around you, wants to get you as much gold as possible so that you can get to your items to get to your spikes, which leads to the questions like, is Stixay laning really well? Or does he have like a top three jungler on his team that's playing the map and playing towards bot really well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To which I would say that there's definitely the argument for that. Now, with that being said, once Stixay does get going, it is very, very difficult to stop him. It is very tough to put Stixie down and say like, oh no, you're not allowed to play the game anymore because he's facing really well. He's His micro is really, really well, is really, really being well played. Um, but like, I, I think a lot of the Golden Guardian success, individually, all of these pieces are good, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, however, it's, it's the fact that they have such a strong jungler on their team. And maybe, maybe I'm biased because I'm a jungler myself now, <laughs> but well. it, it, it's, it just kind of, when I'm watching a Golden Guardians game, it feels like I'm watching River, and then it hits like the the mid game point, and then I'm watching Golden Guardians. Mm. So just kind of like he he's sort of like the the mm, the unofficial captain, or or like he sets things up so that it lends to the team being able to come together, and because of what everything that he's done in the early game, he's the best oh. facilitator you could ask for. Awesome, and the carries are being able; they're yeah. able to just profit off of it as 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 much as one can. Mm-hmm. That's good, and I mean, this is the way you want to play for the most part in this in this current meta, and that's good for them. Is it sustainable? Let me ask you that. I think in a world where maybe you see a change in, like, for instance, if you see a change in the jungle meta, where instead of you getting these like heavy ganking picks that want to just like push the tempo of the game as fast as possible like like what we've been seeing recently if you have a switch from that to like a farming jungle meta where you just want to sit in the jungle clear camps get them on respawn as fast as possible then maybe you see a little bit of a difference in 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 the way that golden guardians plays maybe if there's like a severe 80 carry change going forward maybe you see a difference in how sticks is able to play out these fights um I will say that depending on how the meta shifts going forward, because we are mm-hmm. definitely moving towards like 
the the chain there there are a lot of changes happening to early ganking yep. in the jungle and then also the amount of money that you're getting and also the amount of lane xp that you're getting early and because mm. of that it does seem like it wants to get pushed towards a farming jungle meta so the, i think that is going to change the way that that golden guardians looks however i will also say and, and it, it's to be seen whether or not that's going to be a positive or a negative for this team Mm-hmm. something that i will say that i think is going to be a definitive positive is the fact that when you look at what's happening in the support role we're seeing mm. a lot more like urgency towards these uh melee supports right yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and i don't know about you but watching who he play lulu and, and like yumi and like you know nami or ash or whatever like that's that's fine like cool yeah but like seeing who he on like a nautilus on a mm-hmm. leona Right. on like a thresh like this is this is what i want to see this mm-hmm. is like who he was lorded for being one of the best aggressive melee uh support players like he yeah. was a playmaker like th- that is that was kind of like that when 100 thieves ended up winning their split a lot of it was off of the fact that who he was one of the best playmakers in the league and if we get moved towards this playmaking support meta the fact that river isn't going to be able to set up all these plays i don't even know if that's going to be that much of a detriment if you have who he on the other end of that being able to facilitate the the entirety of golden guardians surely it's not going to be as strong in the early game but when you get into those mid game late game fights where the urgency is on the support to make the play happen i think you're going to see uh, a relatively similar level of play at mm-hmm. least in that mid to late game portion it's again to be seen what the change to the jungle is going to do to this aggressive early game golden guardian style that we've been seeing so far absolutely it's just it looks like they have the pieces to set in place as the meta shifting towards that direction and this is exciting shit for for, as a support main i love seeing the engaged supports coming back just oh yeah watching watching. (laughs) we're already seeing that in the lck and lpl this morning that it was fun it was fun to watch some of that but um We'll we'll see how LCS responds. It's their own meta, um, but really appreciate you in, in breaking down some of the things that uh, uh, that help me kind of see like what's going on with EG. Uh, would you like to take a chance to talk a little bit about your team? What happened? This oh past week? God! <laughs> Do I want to talk? Okay, so for those of you who don't know, <laughs> I'm a huge Team Liquid fan. I've loved Liquid since I started playing League, since I started watching LCS. Uh, my favorite iteration of any team was the 2019 uh, Team Liquid mm. squad. Like that, yes. that's always been my favorite iteration of any LCS team. Um, oh my god, I am so <laughs> sad. I am made so distraught by watching these boys play. Because let me say, I love these boys, right? Mm-hmm. I love watching TL content. I love watching squad. I'm like a member of, of, of Liquid Plus. Like, I love this stuff so much. These boys make great content. They have really lovable personalities, and I will support them to the ends of the earth, no matter where they go after this year. However, watching them play on stage is probably one of the most frustrating experiences I've ever had to go through. It is it is so unbelievably disappointing to watch them play this game because it, 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 the worst part is that you see flashes of how great this team can be. They have this incredible early game style where they are able to just create 2k 3k 5k leads and it's Mm -hmm. it looks so dominant for so long and then you get to the point where they the first time that they can test an objective 5v5 and everything falls apart it it, it is the first time almost every single time and it's Mm -hmm. like you know some of the early game objectives where it's like just piosic in the bot lane or just piosic in the mid lane it's like okay that went well for us it's like a small skirmish Mm -hmm. but their level of team team fighting is just so unbelievably low like it it unironically 
and, and, and again, this could 100% be biased, but like looking at uh, looking at Team Liquid and looking at 100 Thieves, two of the teams that are going to be fighting for that, like one of those last playoff spots, mm-hmm. their team fighting on both of these squads is just horrendous. Yeah. It, it, it just looks like there's a lack of communication where like there are too many cooks in the kitchen and everybody's mm-hmm. trying to do something different. And it's like in, in the game against CLG in the Super Week where uh, Core, Flash, Hook, lands on, on Dokla's Irelia and Summit jumps in with Meganar, throws out the Yolti, and it's like, oh, they killed the Irelia. This is great. Mm-hmm. And then Summit's fighting the AD carry and the Irelia's on the rest of the team and they don't have cooldown. So then they all die. And then it's Irelia gets like a quadra kill. And it's like, couldn't you guys, were you guys not communicating till the Irelia? Like, were you not, were you not calling your targets there? Like what was, what was going on? What is happening on this team? And as I've been watching some of the behind the scenes stuff, it's like, yeah, there is a level of like, there are a lot of talkers, not a lot of listeners. I think that's how Marin put it, right? A lot of people talking, not a lot of people listening. And because of that, it has become a detriment to the team in, in these late game situations where they need to be able to contest 5v5 because I'm going to say there are four different perspectives of how the fight needs to be played. There's a perspective that Summit has, the one that Piosic has, the one that Harry has, and the one that the bot lane has together. There, there are four different perspectives of how they want to play the fight, and it is forcing them to fall apart. Yeah, you're seeing this over and over again. They they can look so good, maybe in the laning phase and like when they're separate, but when it comes to the team fighting, something just doesn't feel right with their chemistry. And you you would think now maybe it's like biased or, or like wrongfully to assume that they all speak Korean because that was the whole point, right? Mm-hmm. But it just seems so disjointed and many times. I I had Liquid as like the potential to be a top two in the offseason, maybe even one if they can come together. But right now it's like what what's happening? Why aren't they coming together? And you're right. I you think have, there's a lot of voices. <laughs> there is a lot of voices, but I also think that there there was a detriment of their of their scrimmages, right? Because in the offseason and the preseason Everybody was talking about how Team Liquid was a scrim god team, where they they just didn't lose. They never like took many L's while they were doing scrims against any team, except for like maybe I think Cloud Nine was like the one team that claimed and like no, we like constantly beat TL. But it's like Team Liquid would generate five K gold leads in, in these stage games, right? Imagine how they're doing that in scrims, where they're creating these leads, creating opportunities for this team to get so ahead. And then what is what is the scrim culture like in North America? Oh, we forfeit if we're too behind early. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like there's this this unsaid curse that Team Liquid put on themselves where they played their early game really well, got this huge lead in the early game, but then before it could transition into the mid game, before they can make those 5v5s happen, t- teams would just FF. Teams yeah. would, would just say, no, it's just, it's just unwinnable it's for us. Over. We don't mm-hmm. want to play it out. And because of that, I feel like Team Liquid probably didn't get a lot of practice in, in, in the mid to late game uh, mm-hmm. portions. And it's, I would say, unless you're screaming against like your academy and your, 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 your challengers and, and like mm-hmm. uh, th- those teams, it's really tough to get like 5v5 practice out. It's really yeah. tough to, to get like team fight synergy out because uh, on a surface level, like the thing that we were advertised, like, oh yeah, great, they all speak Korean. But Beyond that, it's like you have five completely unique individuals on yeah. your team, and you guys need to be synced at least to a, a certain level, to a certain percentage, to make the fact to at least almost like like I'm asking you to like fake 
playing a fight well <laughs> like, like you need to at least mm-hmm. pretend like you're playing the fight well mm-hmm. but they but they can't even do that because they're, they're yeah. just constantly disjointed and mm-hmm. i think we're seeing flashes of them doing better and i can only hope that summer's going to go well if there are no roster changes in the off season but <laughs> as Ooh. as it stands right now liquid is pushing they're pushing my faith <laughs> oh man i I I feel for you a lot, and and the, all the things you said, it's playing out in in the statistics. They are the third best teams in e- early game rating, but negative twenty six point eight in the mid to late game rating. That that's a huge discrepancy. Oh yeah, um, and you're also the the second person to kind of bring up like the scrim culture. We have to kind of evaluate and what that looks like. Peter Dunn, who the uh, who was a friend of the pod as well, talked about it. like that's one of the things that he hoped changes for LCS a lot. And uh, we'll, we'll dedicate a separate episode to kind of talk about what scrim culture kind of feels like, because we don't have all the information. We don't have all the behind the scenes, but the, we can piece together what people are telling us. Uh, yes, I think there's still time for Liquid to come together. I, I was hoping, you know, second half would be their time. Uh, you know, they've had their... Uh, getting getting all the rust off and it still could happen i mean the way that they beat immortals looks fairly you know like the glimpse that we are hoping to see it is immortals but <laughs> i'm not taking that anything away we lost the dignitas what do i have to say oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right all right uh as we right before the transition like i said once we have that losing week we have a lot of talkers and people are picking apart eg left and right they're commenting on the interviews making it sound like you know jojo and inspired wants to make it the jojo inspired show that they don't really have fbi and someday considered as part of the team so all these allegations kind of come out from the woodworks or subreddit i'm not saying you guys are entirely wrong or off base but i i will say it's coincidental that we hear about these things about the way they talk about uh the teams or their their thoughts in interviews it's being scrutinized when we have a losing week um an article did come out on esports illustrated interviewing fbi after that week he definitely took a lot of responsibility and he's like uh constantly saying how you know his his he didn't do enough and that he could have played better uh so man he he really does uh you know take ownership for his part and i'm sure he's also uh not wanting to throw anyone under a bus uh which i you know it's mark of a good uh teammate uh do you think it's fair that he should take a bulk of the responsibility though i don't <laughs> I think it's tough to mm-hmm. be FBI in this team, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a lot of people who are going to scrutinize you for the way that you've been playing on Hunter Thieves for the past couple of splits. And I think that, especially when you're being compared to, like, you know, the, the past 80 carries that, that EG has had, such as, like, Danny, who is mm-hmm. lorded as one of the best ADCs that we've seen in North America oh, yeah. for a long time. The mm-hmm. fact that Kaori had such an incredible performance at Worlds and in the playoffs as well, like he, he despite coming in super quickly, he did an, an incredible job. It's really tough to be FBI in, in the fact that you're you're going to have these critics, you're going to have these people who are going to be pointing at you and saying like, "Oh, you have to be the problem on EG because like you're one of the only things that got changed." However, I would say that 
FBI is quietly a top three ADC in, in mm-hmm. America. I, I would say that the, the way that I would put it is I would have Prince at the top. I would have Berserker in second, and then I'd have FBI a third. I'm really hot on FBI. I think this guy plays really, really well. I think that he's been put in really difficult situations because of the way that some of these early and mid games are going for EG. But I think him individually has been one of the outstanding performers on this team. And maybe it's because he's playing with a really, really good support because I have Vulcan as like my number one all pro at the moment on my Mm -hmm. way to early all pro vote. Mm -hmm. But like, I, I think, I think FBI has very quietly been the most consistent member of evil geniuses. And from the perspective of, okay, my, the rest of the map isn't doing so well. So it's up to me to carry surely that's going to weigh heavily on him because Mm -hmm. it is like, you are the ADC. You are the only lane that isn't being put behind or being like hyper focused by the enemy team because like we see a lot of focus up, it, it, up in the mid and top lane uh, from from a lot of these teams where they're just putting EG down that way. And I I definitely can empathize with the fact that he feels that pressure that he feels like he should be more responsible, but I don't think that he 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 should feel that that much towards it because. At a certain point, like, first of all, it is a team game. There is no one individual that ever loses games for people. It is very much a 5v5. And you just have to think that there's something else going on in, in, in EG in, in these early and mid games, whether it's a communication error, whether it's ego, like we talked about earlier, that's putting the team behind and, and putting FBI in these really awkward situations where he has to be the one to carry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely uh, one that. I can see from the fans' perspective, but I can also note that, again, ha- if, if this team... Uh, okay, I don't want to take away the, the, the craziness and the wildness of EG and especially JoJo. Uh, <clears throat> but if the team was to play at the very high level, then it wouldn't be as much pressure on FBI to make something happen if they didn't fall behind that badly uh, in that transition in the mid-game. Uh I don't know if that all that makes sense, but certainly I I, I appreciate his uh, voicing his his uh, perspective on it and taking uh it shows the marks of a good leader at the at the very least for me and I appreciate I, I really think like you said he's one of the best ADCs he's looking like his twenty twenty one form yeah twenty twenty one form where he played really well on hundred thieves and that's what I was expecting coming in to this season and. So far, he's been, um, you know, proving you right. And right. So, uh, again, lots of wild news. If we go 0-2 again this week, uh, I bet you will hear more from our friends at the Reddits. <laughs> and transitioning to that, we are going to face another team who will make a change at their ADC position. TSM is first up on EG Slate, and they just announced that they will be subbing in Wild Turtle over Neo. Wow, I don't even know how to take in this news. I thought, you know, maybe Neo needed a break. Maybe Wild Turtle is doing well in Challenger, that he deserves a spot. But shortly after that announcement was made, Kangas came right out and said, I don't understand this. It's not like Wild Turtle is, like, dominating the Challenger scene. I'm paraphrasing here, but wow. What what does, what kind of move is this then, if, if not just one of either giving Neo rest or... TSM just trying to something out. I mean, it's it's such a weird it's such a weird look for TSM. Honestly, I mean, it's like first of all, let let, let me preface by saying that in my uh, 
preseason power rankings, I put Neo at the bottom of ADCs. I, mm. Neo has never impressed me as an AD carry. He has always looked like somebody who has been carried by the performance of his support. He has never individually impressed me as a player. Mm. However, this split, he has definitely been doing well. He's a very quiet player on TSM because it, it feels like there's a lot of a lot of urgency on their mid-jungle. Mm-hmm. And, and a, there seems to be a lot more power, uh, like despite the fact that he's getting like lower resources, a lot of power in the top lane towards solo. And, but like Neo's just been very quiet on the team. He hasn't been an outstanding performer or anything. And TSM has picked up a decent amount of wins, more than I mm-hmm. definitely gave them credit for when I was first doing my preseason power rankings. Because I, I put them ninth. <laughs> so, um, and, and on the flip side of that, it's like TSM challengers has not looked great. Mm. Like, like for whatever reason, like when I looked at this TSM challengers team, I thought, oh, well, these guys are just like, these guys have a lot of potential, mm-hmm. but they also have like proven players on their squad. And Wild Turtle was one of those people that you look towards, and it's like he's been a top two, potentially even number one eighty carry in North America in the past. He has a proven track record of being a winner and is one of the most highly regarded players in the history of the league. Mm-hmm. And then you look at TSM Challengers, and they're like eleventh place. They're, they 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 they're like not even middle of the pack. Like they're lower than the middle of the pack. They they are not picking up wins. And Wild Turtle individually has not looked impressive at all against mm. against these challenger teams. So it it begs a question of like, why are you doing this? Are you doing this to gain like traction? Do you think this is going to bring more fans to your organization to like return a, a a very popular name, or do you honestly think that this is going to improve your team because? surface level i don't think that this is going to improve tsm i, I mm-hmm. this feels like a side grade at best mm-hmm. which feels weird to say because we're talking <laughs> about wild turtle but like it just it just feels like it just feels like a a, a side grade to me mm-hmm. all the more painful if we lose <laughs> i don't know i was much confident coming in last week saying oh dignitas is making a change we shouldn't lose to them if you know no random shit happens but shit happened. I, I don't know what to say. I I know I should be more confident that we, we can still win this matchup, but what what is our angle here to do we that evil geniuses might trip up in this matchup? I mean, I think what you have to look at is the same thing that we've been looking at for evil geniuses in, in the last week, where they're going to attack where you are more aggressive, where we see them punish over extensions by Sunday, we see them punish mm. over extensions by Jojo Pune, and they're taking advantage of the fact that these are like some of more volatile laners that would like to push, uh, would like to push themselves in their lane as as far as possible, right? Mm-hmm. They want to create laning advantages. They want to create opportunities for their team to make plays, whether it's by creating pressure or individually outplaying the enemy opponent in the in the isolated one v one. If we see a move from TSM where they are able to attack the the, the maybe the mid jungle duo a little bit, mm-hmm. make moves before Inspired is able to react to them, uh, I, I think Maple as a mid laner has not individually looked particularly impressive, except for on like the Talia, right? <laughs> yes. <clears throat> but re- regardless, like Boogie and Maple working together feels really really strong. The, the, this mid jungle feels like it's actually quite powerful despite being a middle-of-the-pack team. And do I think that it's as powerful as, like, JoJo's fired? Not necessarily, but I, I think that JoJo is definitely putting himself in, up, in, in positions mm-hmm. that are going to 
create a certain level of volatility that I think any team can capitalize on as we saw in like the Dignitas team in, in the Dignitas games. Yeah, absolutely. That that is probably the same like thought going in that this has to be a complete egregious disrespect from EG to bear that same result of losing. Otherwise, I don't know if Boogie or Maple can match up to inspire Jojo. Uh, lane to lane, you know, I bot lane is is EG favorite. I, I can. I'm hoping I'm saying that without bias. That's objective, right? The, I mean, I think objectively that's true. I mean, yeah. I think Chime is quietly one of the better players on TSM. I've, mm-hmm. I've been a, a a pretty big fan of Chime ever since I've been able to watch him in, in uh, the Academy League, and mm-hmm. I think he is very very talented. But uh, I I think at least so far it's been tough to to let him shine when you mm-hmm. have like. When you have an ADC like Neo, who who feels like he needs the the facilitation of his team twenty four seven to to be an effective member of the team, so I think yeah, definitely the two v two in in bot lane isolated definitely feels like it's EG favored. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, we're in agreement there. So now the next game should be the game of the week, but we actually have to see how EG bounces back. I'm sure they've talked about this a lot that they've had this game circle because the first time around they. We, we kept it as close as possible, but at the end of the day, you know, it's Prince, it's Vicola, it's Impact, and it's Spica. They really are talented, top to bottom, and now they have Ayla back, right? Uh, what makes this game a little bit more spicy is the the banter. I don't know if you saw the banter between Vulcan and Ayla. It's hilarious <laughs> to watch. Yeah. Uh, this is a tough game. This is a tough game. I'm coming in expecting us to lose. Um, so this might be the converse question. Do you see, how do you see these two matching up, you know, even from the first time around and how are they doing right now? I think it's really tough for EG to win this game because it, it honestly kind of feels like, it feels like FlyQuest is in a way a better version of like, of what EG kind of wants to be mm-hmm. where they, they don't nece- they're not necessarily as creative all over the map because if you look at the way that this team is set up they have impact in the top lane who is like the king of stability in the lcs you will not put him behind i mean surely you know this as he was just on evil geniuses in, in the yeah. last uh, couple of splits and he was he did had a monster performance and he's having a monster performance now he is one of the outstanding top laners in the league in terms of the fact that he's like performing like he, he is unshakable, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in the bot lane, I think it's it's really tough to, to say exactly how well like Ayla's going to be doing because like, we haven't seen a lot of him so far with the team. We've seen, uh, like I think, two games now. What? Two or three games? Two games, yeah. He came yeah. back after the Super Week. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so we've only seen two games of Ayla, and you know we haven't seen much of his synergy with Prince or the rest of the team yet, so it's hard to say whether or not he's going to be a standout player, but obviously all eyes are going to be on Prince, right? Because this is mm-hmm. like arguably the, like, I, I mean, I don't even know if it's arguable. I think mm-hmm. most people would say that Prince is the best ADC in the, in, in the league, potentially the best player in the MVP front runner going and get, as we end the split. And it's really tough to say that whether or not EG is going to be able to stand up to this team, uh, it, stand up to this individual player, even. Because if you look in like the mid lane, for instance, you have two very aggressive mid laners against each other. I talked a little bit earlier about how we have like these psychopath mid laners who want to fight each other. Vikla yes. is one of those psychopath mids. Now, oh my gosh. 
if I were to point out a way for EG to get themselves into this game, it is 100% through Vikla. Mm. It, it is for sure through mid lane because Jojo is also one of those psycho mids. So if you have Jojo, if you have Jojo and inspired on some crazy 2v2 stuff going on in the mid lane, we're like, Spika has definitely been uh, more favored towards some of these uh, tanky facilitator junglers, right? That's basically all he's been playing. If you're, if you're able to create a situation where you can punish them in the draft and force Spika onto something that maybe is a little bit less powerful in the early game and then punish through mid lane by fighting 2v2 as much as possible there, we know Vikla is going to go for those fights. You know mm -hmm. that Spika needs to be there to, to make sure that he doesn't die. So you're going to get a 2v2. If you can see Jojo and Inspired win out in the 2v2 early, that might be the, that just might be their way into the game. Because I, I don't expect a lot to happen in the top lane. And then in the bot lane, I, I don't know if I expect a lot to happen there either because it doesn't feel like either of these bot lanes are particularly aggressive. Mm -hmm. It just feels like both of them want to scale up, get to the late game, and then get to the point where they can both just carry through team fights. And if that's the way that it goes, if, if FlyQuest gets what they want and they get to the point where they can just scale through, scale through the game, I unfortunately feel like EG is going to be at a little bit of a disadvantage there. I, I I don't know if they have the ability to to organize themselves to fight against a team that's been so good throughout these mid and late game situations. Yeah, I wouldn't even say a little. It's just going to snowball very quickly. And FlyQuest is very good at punishing mistakes that EG cannot afford to make right they they, they are willy-nilly about it against other teams but this team it's it's something that they really have to almost play, play till perfection and that's hard that i've i'm still getting ptsd from that whole play i don't know if you remember how vikla playing on the irelia jojo <laughs> thought he was safe <laughs> oh my oh god, my god. oh man just q dive in dead <laughs> i mean vikla gets first blood and then he just yeah. ends for the rest of the game though so. that's true he did get behind but that I, i'm sure that's a replaying in jojo's mind <laughs> if not it's definitely replaying oh, yeah. in I, my mean, mind. <laughs> I mean he wants that 1v1 back he really mm -hmm. wants that 1v1 back and i wouldn't be surprised if they were like jojo we want you to play victor or azir this game is like no i want to play silas <laughs> and, and, and he just like opts into like a silas akali matchup for fun because he just wants oh, to like limit test against this guy and, and honestly, I'd be all for it. I would love to see this mid lane 1v1 go down. I'd love to see mm -hmm. the throwdown between the two most psycho mids in, in, in NA right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really I really pray that our boys are bringing it. Uh, let's spend some time. How, how is it looking for you on the TL side for this week? Oh, boy. How is it looking for Team Liquid <laughs> for me? Uh, let's see. Team Liquid's playing against Golden Guardians and playing against TSM. Mm. Um, well, I'm not going to lie. Golden Guardians looks like a powerhouse. It's, it's going to be like really tough uh, for me to say that we can win this game because we barely won the first time. Mm. And I mean, Golden Guardians just looks hot. Like they're a hot commodity right now. Like their stocks are going up. TL stocks are in the dirt. Mm. It, it feels really unfortunate, but like, how do I see the, How do I see my boys winning this out? Summit has to gap licorice harder than he's ever gapped anyone in his entire life. <laughs> Like, low-key, it actually just has to be a top diff. Like, top die diff, bro. Like, it, it actually looks like it has to be a solo queue game. <laughs> like, it literally needs to be, like, damage control mm -hmm. and then top lane for, for, for Team Liquid. It, I mean, I don't... I think Jan has been performing admirably. I think he's been 
suffering a little bit in, in the fact that like he feels like he needs to make plays happen as an AD carry, mm. which is always not a good thing to look for. Yeah. Because then you get moments where you're like relentless pursuit into Dragon Pit into three people and then getting blown up immediately. Right? Uh, like you, you get situations like that and it, it yes. looks bad and like Harry has looked really shaky in the mid lane. I don't know if that's mm. stage nerves or anything like that, but seeing how he's going to be able to to go toe to toe with like one of the strongest mid jungle duos in in the league right now is going to be really kind of sus, especially when his jungle duo is Piosic, who has looked honestly really good in the early games, but then through mm. the mid games he has just been just one of not the most egregious inters mm. on the team. <laughs> You know, they, they, um, Piosic has been pretty much on and on a lot of people's spotlight as, you know, talking about like, oh, he overperformed at Worlds and whatnot. I still think he's very talented, but maybe more on an individual level. I, the more he, he will need to, well, you know, I could say the same for Summit. He, the man is fun to watch. I will, I will admit he's very fun to watch, but he's they're not... great solo queue <laughs> players, man. They're right. great at playing solo queue, but, how that translates to, to what they've been doing on stage. And and it's not even just this year too, because if you look at these guys' past like plays, like if you watch Summit in, in LPL and in LCK, he did the same exact thing that he's been doing in NA for two splits. And if you watch Piosic all last year, he is doing the same exact things that he's been doing this year to the point where like DRX literally had to bench him for a little bit mm. and, and put their sub jungler yeah. in because this guy that. was just running. He was sprinting it he as sprinted, fast as possible. Like he was literally doing a speed run through LCK. Uh, man, got to rein him in, but uh, let's hope he also showed up and not Mark. Um, overall though, I, I will say, a part of me feels like this is the perfect trap game for Golden Guardians. They are so red hot. Everyone's down on Team Liquid. It's the most LCS thing that would happen. You know, that, you know, the team that's off of everyone's radar <laughs> pulls up an upset. I'll give you guys a 50-50 shot at this. Honestly, low-key, it does feel like a 50-50. <laughs> like, here's the <laughs> with tl it feel, everything feels like a coin flip it feels like every situation is like okay maybe they win this there's a chance that they win this but exactly on the opposite side in the most even way possible there's a really good chance they mess this up beyond belief so it's like if piosic is able to play to the strength that he has been showing so far where he is a really really good early game jungler and he makes moves more proactively than river does mm. or if he's reacting really well to what river's been trying to do perhaps, perhaps there's a smallest chance that they out 2v2 the, their mid-jungle and they're able to make better plays and they, they outplay the 2v2 situations and they can generate that lead that we've been seeing them get. And that's that's where all the questions come through, where it's like they generate this lead and then what's going to happen in the mid to late game that's going to throw it all away because <laughs> they're going to they're gonna do it. It's going to happen. It's like the T1 Baron flip meme from last year where they were just oh. flipping Barons for fun. Mm -hmm. It's Team Liquid around every objective every single time. They're flipping uh, it for fun. Low-key out of all of this, I just feel very bad for Core JJ. You know, he's like, I thought I was done with this. <laughs> now I have to do with... Uh, wrangling more younger and volatile players. At least he had to deal with old people, right, in last year. <laughs> Got to deal with the boomers last year. Now yes. he has to take his shot at the Zoomers, see what happens. So, I feel for him. Uh, and then, the game against TSM. 
which should shouldn't be as close as when we had them in the off season, but now it feels much closer. I mean, I, I it just feels like all of my points that I said for Golden Guardian stands mm-hmm. for TSM. It just yeah. the same thing has to be questioned about Team Liquid is how are they going to generate their gold lead, mm-hmm. and then are they going to throw it at an objective? Ugh. Can Team Liquid maintain their their lead long enough for them to close out the game? Because that that's always been the biggest question for this team so far this season, and like the last time we watched this team play TSM, they weren't even able to generate a lead. Like that was that was one of the issues. They couldn't even generate the lead that would get them into the position where they can win. They just lost on all like on all cylinders. They mm. were not firing at all. <laughs> oh man, it, 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 I will say because we don't know the outcome, this will make for an exciting game to watch and just. Paying attention to everything that you described about your team. <laughs> I will be live tweeting the entire time. You best believe it. Oh, man. Uh, we'll give listeners, we'll give you, uh, you know, Mage's handle in a bit. We just want to take some time right now to transition to talk about LCS in a more global sense. We're going to talk a little bit about what's happening around the other majors and, you know, for me, the LEC just finished their winter splits. G2 looks dominant, although I will say LEC, for me at least, feels like a region that's much weaker than they have been before, and last year was pretty bad. Uh, that's my sense. Uh, LPL is a crapshoot. I don't know what's going on. Some of the top teams look great. JDG, TES, and then you have a glob of teams that you know just can fight for the top spot or just fall out completely. And LCK has been stable. It's T1, Gen G, D plus Kia, and then the rest. Um, so that's kind of my sense. We'll talk a little bit about how LCS match up to these. But uh, what what are some of your takes? What are some of your thoughts about the global uh, LOL esports scene? Okay. So the thing with Global League of Legends right now is it's really weird. It's, it was in a really weird place these last couple of weeks because it's tough to tell exactly the power levels of every single region solely based on the fact that everybody was playing on a different patch at some point mm-hmm. like some somewhere on like 13.1 somewhere on 1b somewhere on three and like there are regions who are slightly ahead or slightly behind people like lpl is always slightly behind people because mm-hmm. they always have the lunar new years so they are always slightly behind it's really tough to tell the power levels solely based on how everybody's performing on on the same patch however there are certain things that never change. LPL and LCK both look really, really strong. Their macro mm-hmm. play is absolutely incredible. I think the the, the, the big one is like T1. Uh, T1 looks like the best team in the world. Shocker. Mm-hmm. Again, spring split. T1, I think they're 12-1 they're right now. But they're 12-1 and one and they look better than they looked last year when they went like... When they didn't even drop a single game. Mm. Like, T1 looks so incredibly dominant for all the reasons why the top teams in other regions look super dominant. Mm-hmm. They are willing to fight you. They can flip objectives and they will outplay you mechanically in the same way that you see uh, like JDG do it in, in the LPL. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can watch them be super stable, play through their lanes, scale up, do like a really slow, well-calculated game the way that you see FlyQuest take out their wins in LCS. You see them draft the super crazy no. off the wall. Gosh. What the hell were they thinking? <laughs> Who let them cook? The, the, the kind of stuff that you see G2 doing. And it's just like they play every single style that every other major region plays, except they do it better. Yes. They are always doing it at, at a level that is better than what we've seen in the other regions. Like 
I, I think Prince did a, a power ranking for the regions, and he was like, yeah, L- LCK is like an 8, mm-hmm. right? LCK is like an 8, LPL is like a 7.5, NA is like a 5.5, and then he didn't rank LEC. <laughs> he knows. But like, knows. solely based off of what I've seen from at least the top teams in each region, mm-hmm. oof, LCS does not look like he's going to have Mm-mm. a good time at these international tournaments, at least like even into the top European teams. Because if... If I were to take Mad Lions and G2 and both place them into North America, I'm not convinced that FlyQuest would still be at the top of the leaderboard. Hmm. I, I'm honestly just not convinced. I think Hans and Mickey look like oh, one of the most yeah. dominant bot lanes in the entire world right now, and it could be off of their their very interesting like priority on, on, on their bot lane picks because we see a lot of Draven out of them. We see a lot of Varus out of them, and they play them very, very effectively. I think Caps is one of the best. He looks like a top... like a top 10 mid laner in the world right now as he does almost every single year you can make an argument that almost every single member of like i think mid bot and adc there is an argument for g2's mid bot uh mid bot support to be top 10 in the world Mm -hmm. there's an argument there for them yeah i I think i'm a little bit less hot on broken blade and i'm hot on yike in the sense that he did really well in uh in the lec but i'm not sure how well he will do against some of the better junglers around the world because Mm -hmm. i think the jungle the 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 jungle Jungle. pool internationally is much stiffer than it is in europe and it is going to be very tough to see how that guy plays uh in in comparison to some of the best junglers in the world especially when you're getting into like owner and kanavi and some of these some of these bigger names right Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's still a rookie. I mean, he did great in his region, but uh, you're re- absolutely right. How it's going to match up against like the Kanavis, the peanuts of the world, um, definitely. But <laughs> man, when you're talking about T1, I'm getting all these like, like they have such a crazy, they're, they're, they're just playing around right now and they're doing it while winning. I oh, mean, yeah. Some parts are sloppy, but they're, they're going to win at the end of the day. And so uh it's not even talking about the lck know. second seed either because gen g honestly looks like the second best team in the world like right? lck has the top one top two teams in the entire world right now and it doesn't even look that close like no. it looks like t1 and gen g are at the top of the leaderboard mm-hmm. and then like you, you you take a little bit of a walk down the block and then you have like jdg and you have like uh, like maybe you could say like Weibo's kind of getting there and like there's a question of like oh is D plus Kia gonna get it together and like is LNG really that good or have they had a really easy strength of schedule and it's like mm-hmm. it, it, there there is no question in at least in my mind about the top two internationally yeah and something that I've been rap- trying to rack my brain around and I'm gonna ask you this is where do you think FlyQuest would look in the LCK. Ooh. Do you think they would like be in like the top half, bottom half? Do you think they would even like they're like they're at least top ten? <laughs> 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 well, they can't fall out of top ten well, <laughs> unless you know there's an eleventh place. You know, I do. Well, okay, let's start from the bottom. They're better than Nongshim. Nongshim is a challenger league. Well, it's a challenger team, so I can see that. Uh, do they? How do they match up? KDF is like Kwandong is not a team that I have any confidence. So they may be better than them i could see that um the way that they're playing um definitely under live sandbox so they might if they're lucky might make it six place six no 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 bump them down eighth place sounds fair right (laughs) Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I, I, w- I would say, like, high-end, like, ceiling in, mm-hmm. in LCK is, like, fifth place. Mm. 
like high end, like they might they might do well against they like, honest to god might do well against HLE because they haven't been as strong as everyone anticipated them to be. Especially mm-hmm. if Clit is having like an off day. They might be as strong in, in some of like the worst games that we've seen out of D plus Kia, but they are definitely <laughs> they, I, I would say they're definitely better than most of the bottom half of the mm. LCK. Um, but like against Brian, against like even DRX, like mm. I, I think a lot of people are really low on DRX. But like I do think that this team is actually really good and has a lot of like pr- like good pieces to them. But they just haven't come together as a team yet. I, I feel like they have like the liquid the issue of like they all mm. have a way that they want to play the game and they're just not coming together on it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think once DRX finds themselves, this team is actually really good. Because if you look at them on paper, they have a strong team. Like they Fate do. is actually a really good mid laner. Doc mm-hmm. Dom was like a top four AD four carry AD. in LCK last year. Mm-hmm. Barrel is a two time world champion. He literally is coming off of a world win. Mm-hmm. Rascal is historically one of the best top laners in the entire league. And then like Croco is like whatever. And then Juhan is also kind of whatever. whatever. Junglers yeah. are okay, mm-hmm. but overall. Yeah. This DRX team actually looks like it has a lot of potential, and I'm not even convinced that FlyQuest beats them in, in a best of five. Oof, man, that's that's a good call. I really do think, uh, like you said, they they are on paper and talent and their history shows that these are good players outside of the jungle. Uh, but yeah, I, I we might at the at the way that we're playing in the LCS region. Getting out of group still feels like a pipe dream. <laughs> it feels really tough. Although I will say, I do think FlyQuest this year looks mm. stronger than any team that we've had in the past two years. Mm. I will say that. But e- even so, it feels like FlyQuest is really trying to reach up there and, and grasp at, at the level of play that we're seeing internationally. Mm. And they're not even quite... like I'm not even convinced FlyQuest win a best of five against G2. Yeah, like G two looks like a monster. Oh my like gosh. I'm not convinced that FlyQuest like win a, a best of five against Mad Lions. Like <laughs> the the top teams in these other international leagues. Like surely, like we're comparing our top seed at the moment in an unfinished season against mm-hmm. the top seeds from a region that has just recently finished. So we haven't seen everything that FlyQuest has to offer. But solely based off of a little bit more than the halfway point, I'm not convinced that this team does that well internationally. And that that bodes even worse for whoever's coming in second, <laughs> because I don't know if there's a team in LCS that is even really that close to FlyQuest. Uh, no, so if we're talking no. about that, the second team from LCS is probably just doomed, right? Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. No, all those points very valid. I. Uh, mm, it breaks my heart, but that's we have to face reality. We can't just stick our head in a croissant and pretend like we're this amazing. We're making progress. The rest of the region also has elevated their game, right? So we're still playing catch-up in a lot of sense. Well, that's where we stand on today, and it's March 1st. Um, Mage, thank you so much for joining me on this pod. You're, you know, you bring an energy, you bring excitement. I'm really thank you glad. Very much. Really, really glad that you're in this space, and we'll have you back. We'll definitely have you back if you're open to it. Oh, I look forward to it. So as we kind of signed off, let the listeners know where they can find you. What are, do you have upcoming next? Uh, and anything that I can put in our show notes to promote your work. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, as I said at the beginning of the episode, I, uh, am a part of the hex tech heroes podcast. You can find us on Spotify, basically every single, uh, major podcasting site out there. We're on like Apple music and Amazon music and stuff like that too. If, if that's your, you know, your choice of, of listening materials, 
Uh, so Hextech Heroes out there on the uh, on the interwebs. Uh, for me individually, I'm on Twitter at Laughing Mage Lol. I live tweet most of the games that I'm watching, although sometimes <laughs> I get so in, like invested in them that I don't touch my phone at all. And also sometimes I'm at work, so I can't live tweet them. But I definitely would say give me a follow there and you know talk to me about League of Legends. Tweet at me and and give me give me your hot takes. Give me give me uh, things that you want to talk about that you're passionate about so that we can have a you know a, a, a fun conversation that way uh we also have a youtube channel you can find me on youtube at laughing mage where i've uploaded a couple b- bits of content that i've been able to find uh, and, and be able to do in the past but as of right now with the lpl cs uh kicking off really soon uh i haven't had as much time to work on some of those uh passion projects but i still get time every single weekend uploads on sunday for hexic heroes podcast awesome love it and uh we'll definitely be able to find you on all these different platforms i'm excited i'm actually looking on the youtube right now uh guys thank you so much for tuning in we are excited to be a part of this space to talk to you about live evil uh, you know eg we have a lot of lcs content coming up continue to follow me at uh live evil pod on twitter and you can find this show on spotify like subscribe comment i will find your comments if you ever want me to read something on the air oh which also reminds me there is one interaction one question that you have to have to kind of answer here mage and this is from uh let me just make sure that i find it this is from i believe his name is conman 81 Josh, <laughs> is he going to level three? Are you going to level three cheese gang bot every game of LBLCS? <laughs> Khan is my support. <laughs> uh, I would say that that's definitely something that I'm going to be trying to do. I want to gang bot lane as much as possible. I, I, you know, I got to get down there and, and show some love to my teammates and also show some, uh, some, uh, show what we're all about to the enemy bot lane so yeah 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 con you can expect me in the bot lane uh cheesing it up down there level mm-hmm. two level three doing some doing some cringe stuff <laughs> that's some major love every support every bot lane will love you for it so thank you once more so much until next time everyone live evil bye-bye